Another album review. This week we'll be reviewing 2004's Musicology as the name of the album. Uh, 2004 was a big year for Prince, at least commercially. He kind of uh, came back into the, into the commercial, out of the commercial wilderness and into the uh, radio and, and pop charts, so to speak. Uh, there were a few Grammy nominations and, uh, and also some Grammy victories. A massive tour, the biggest tour of the year in the States. Uh, an album full of very interesting material, which we're about to get into. Any expectations, uh, assumptions, preconceptions before this album uh, was released uh, in, uh, I think it was early 04 from you guys? Mm, not that I can remember offhand, but yeah, it was building up, like the momentum was really building up with being the 20th year of uh, Rain and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and everything else that was going on. Lots of TV appearances, interviews, so... It was very driven, but I can't really remember. I, I mean, the anticipation was building, but no sort of expectations from me. Yeah, there, there were a lot of appearances. I remember that. Uh, there was the Grammy, the so-called unforgettable Grammy performance with uh, Beyonce, etc., which I guess to fans was very watered down in comparison to his... Yeah. You know how great is live, but but it introduced him into the um you know into the minds of the public, I guess, especially into maybe the, the kind of teenage um become pop listening audience. So that was that was quite interesting to see. But yeah, li- li- little fanfare before uh, with regards to the album. I think he did mention it on Jay Leno and a few other interviews that he was releasing an album and it was about going back to the roots and you know bringing back the funk and all this talk about. Really, a traditional album in a sense, you know, traditional funky R and B kind of album. I remember when the audience call went out for the musicology video. It was somewhere in LA, yeah. and they needed about two hundred people. I remember reading that, and I was I was in the states, and I got there like about three days after that. I was really annoyed because I could have gone there. But <laughs> I, I, rem- to, I remember. I would have. I would have liked to have seen you in that video. What, what, so would what I. You, think yeah. <laughs> you would have been the um, tap the dancers. <laughs> I'm thinking more the um, you know the army dude pulling him off stage kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I like that video actually. It um, is a good video. I think it's a great video. It, it harkens back to um, mm. to a you know long lost era, with and that ki- was with the kid riding his bike and the violin. Yeah. yeah, yeah, playing the guitar and listening to it and all that kind of stuff. And um, what else was there? It was it was kind of interesting because. He had the band there, you know, it's kind of like a James Brown review yeah. show, and I think that was really indicative of the song and, and of, of, of the album to a degree, but we're going we're to get into that. When I first heard this album, it was fairly average, pedestrian. It didn't blow my mind, let me put it that way. You know, we've, we've discussed Planet Earth and uh, 3121, and I hold those in, in fairly high regard, and not to say that I don't hold this one in good regard, but it was kind of... Not as cohesive, a little bit more all over the place, but um, we'll get into the track by track. Unless anyone has anything to say about musicology on a whole? I'll just say, with the lead-up, 2001, he did the Rainbow Children, so that's very much a fan-based release. 2002 was the One Night Alone tour, and that's very much, again, you know, looking at the fans. 2003, he did the instrumental albums. Again, you know, only really fans about that. So there was a good four or five years leading up to this album that the mainstream really had no idea what Prince was doing. Yeah. And um, so there really was a lot 
a lot of um, hype at the time about Princess coming back. Um, and that, I think that aspect of it alone sold the album, not yeah. so much the music on the album itself. Not so definitely. Much. We'll get into um, we'll get into the, the track by track. But I think there was definitely a lot of hype at the time. Yeah, I, I think that's a very interesting commentary, not only on this album, but about hype and music industry goss and all those sorts of things and, 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 and commercialization of music in general. Because, you know, if you consider how well the hype worked for an for this album, and, and like you said, it wasn't purely on the basis of the music, then, you know, when you look at, at commercial radio over the last 10, 15 years, uh, a lot of big name artists have all this hype behind them. And, it, you know, is it for the same reasons? Are they successful? Are they on the charts for exactly the same reasons? I'd be inclined to say yes, but I won't point fingers and name names at this case. It's all about <laughs> musicology for today. <laughs> Musicology, definitely not trademarked. Is, is, I don't even know if that's a word. Does anyone have a look into that? Yeah, it is. I it think is a word. Yeah. It is a word. Musicology, the study of music. Study music. Yeah. All right. So let's see how well he comes across. Isn't there a Princeology website? Mm, I think I've, I think I've seen that somewhere. Okay. What is it? The study of Prince? <laughs> yeah, it's just a, you know, it's just another fan site I saw a while ago. Yeah, there's not many of them left. <laughs> Maybe it's not up anymore. Uh, but anyway, going into musicology, 2004, track one, musicology. Now, this is 2004, and the first track is James Brown Review. Harkens back to, like we said, a long-lost era. But there's a lot of princisms in this. It's not quite old. It's not quite new. It's somewhere in between. I'll hand it over to someone else to start off. Toe Jam, what do you think about this? Oh, this is this is a cool track, no doubt. It's funny because the song is about, you know, going back to the old school and everything, but it does have kind of, it almost sounds like the drum beat almost sounds sampled. I'm not, I'm not 100, I, every time I listen to it, I can't work it out. Is it a sampled drum beat? Um, not sampled, but programmed. Or is it actually someone playing? I can't work it out. I always find that quite interesting about the track, how there are kind of fake elements about it. And also the, um, the you know, the horn sound doesn't sound authentic, like authentic horns. Again, I think they kind of sampled and played on a keyboard kind of thing, which I just find really interesting, the fact that the song is about, you know, going back to the old school and everything. About the track, I've got the bass is pretty much um, Mother Popcorn, the James Brown song, Mother Popcorn. When you say pretty much, is that because I haven't really made that comparison? Is it, It's not a rip-off, is it? Or Well, it's not a rip-off, but it's clearly a an homage to that bass line from Mother Popcorn, in my it's, opinion, anyway. It's very it's similar. Very similar, very similar. Yeah, I like the way the song builds, how you know it, start, it starts off with just the drum beat and, and him singing kind of thing, and the bass, obviously, and then it builds, slowly builds and builds, and by the end of it, you get the whole mix with the synths and the bells and whistles kind of thing. I think that works. And I really like the breakdown in the middle, uh, you know, don't you touch my stereo, that kind of thing. <laughs> I think that works. Like, Yeah, no, I don't really have any complaints about this track, and it's a nice opener to the album, I think, and I think when you saw it live, as if you saw it live, it was definitely the sort of theme song of the of the American summer at the time for Prince yeah. fans, anyway. So yeah, no, it's it's a nice it's a nice track. Uh, one other thing is the video. I was going to touch on, like you guys mentioned a, a bit earlier. Um, I think it's the storyline with the kid um, going to the record store and picking up the record and taking it home and practicing with it. I think is you know sort of modelled on what he used to do. So I think it's pretty cool that he. It gives you a little bit of an insight what he'd done as a kid, you know, going to concerts and picking up records and practicing. So it's a really cool video. There's the um, the old famous story that you read in all the Prince bios about when he was a kid, he went to a James Brown concert and someone picked him up and put him on stage. Yeah. So it was nice to have that in the video. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And he said that he saw the finest dancing girls he'd ever seen. <laughs> I remember that from an interview he did somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Well, in the, in the modern version, he introduces tap dancers. <laughs> so that's and where it is. 
just on the video to finish up there, it's all. it was also good to see at the time because, you know, before this, like, say, the rave era, you know, Prince is wearing all this kind of out-there clothes as he did in the 90s. And suddenly, you know, 2002 to 2004, he's back wearing the old suits, kind of reminiscent of the time. And I think that uh, really kind of gave that image of, look, I'm, a, I'm mature and kind of thing. I'm no longer playing this this silly um, pop game kind of thing. So Yeah, although I think the um, the actual rationale behind that would have probably been in, in relation to something else, probably more religious, but yeah. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Okay. I never saw it that way, that's all. I saw it more of, you know, he's trying to look mature kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, Larry came in 98, and then he was wearing that stupid blue thing during race. <laughs> So who knows if it's hey, with religion or not. He got away with it. And I am a straight man <laughs> talking right now. He got away with that very, very easily. I love that in, in, the, in the concert. It's kind of cool. <laughs> it's my hey, isn't it? Each to his own. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think about musicology? About the video as well. I think in the video, it's, there is when he goes to pick up that record, it says, you know, free record with every ticket for the concert or something, which is exactly what he did on the Musicology tour. But that video was put out before the tour was even started and anything, which is interesting. Yeah. So he, he, he'd had that plan for a while to give the album away. But again, the same as with the, when he gave the Planet Earth away with the UK newspaper. When I went to the Musicology concerts, he's given the album away and I'm thinking, oh, it must be crap then. Which is the same thing I thought with Planet Earth. But it, <laughs> but it wasn't that, that's not that bad. It's a coincidence. Yeah. But anyway, this song, it's a, yeah, it's your old funky song. It's really simple though. It's a real simple funky jam. But I like, it's got backing vocals all the way through it, which I never really noticed, but I listened, was listening to it with headphones today. And it's got some really good backing vocals through, through the whole song, which I never noticed before. And this was the song, this was on the MPG Music Club site ages ago, and you could remix it with mm, the bass right. and the, all the different stuff. But no, I like this song. The only thing I don't like, disagree with player, I don't like the synth at the end. It doesn't fit in with the, just the sound of it. I don't think it fits in with the style of the song because it's all really old school, and then you've got this synth. But if this is like a throwback to like 60s funk, why is there a synth in there? I just I don't like that. But that's all. That's a good track. Okay. I'll pick up on the synth part. Very interesting that you mentioned that because I, I have that in my, um, my comments as well. The synth... Funnily enough, to me, it kind of brings the song down towards the end. Not a big fan of it, so yeah, I agree with you there. But overall, I think it's a it's a funky opening. It must be said, this is OMB one man band, and it's you know Prince playing the drums, quite nice to hear. The bass riff, um, I don't have any other comparisons to it, so uh, it, obviously it comes from or, or is derivative from from another song. But I think it's really really funky. The, the bass, because he's obviously playing on a high octave, um, we know it's the bass, but, but mm. it can be very easily played on guitar. Yeah. Uh, on certain guitars, and it comes off more guitar-y than bassy, if that makes any sense. But it's a sparse song. It's quite well produced and mixed, but it's sparse, and I think it's a tad slow, at least the opening. I don't know if anyone else... I heard this on headphones as well, so I've got a lot of comments about bells and whistles and all that kind of stuff, but just with regards to the um, BPM on this one, I don't know, it just... Thirty-one twenty-one. I'm pretty was sure slow. live it was played a bit faster. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely faster. Yeah, but like with the thirty-one twenty-one opening song, which incidentally again was a title track, it was it was slow. But that was what it was all about. I think this one is, is slightly. It's just something that it's as if my left left shoulder moves and my right knee twitches, but I'm not all up you know, on the dance floor. I'm not kind <laughs> of. I'm. It's just hindering me a little bit. It's I don't just know what it not is, funky but. enough. It's, it's not funky note. enough. Musicology 
is not funky enough. That's right. It's freaky. <laughs> I'm talking about the album now as well. It's not funky enough, but it's uh, it's a good track. All time Prince classic in, my, in no way, <laughs> not in my book. But um, well, good effort, it, Prince. Good try. It's, it's above. <laughs> it's a it's above average for a funk track in general. Forget the Prince part of it. Jamiroquai is funkier than this. But uh, again, I don't think that um. It was about the funk with this. It, it's a, he's harkening back to another era and he's making some sort of statement. Just like with the vast majority of this album, it's good but not great. But definitely, just quickly about the, the headphone listening experience. Oh, man. This album and every other Prince album, for anyone that's listening, for our, all, all our listeners, uh, friends and enemies and all the rest of it, <laughs> if you guys, uh, after listening to any of these reviews or even just listening to Prince albums in general... If you've got the opportunity, listen to them on headphones. And, and, and not, not, not just crappy ones, some good yeah. headphones. Yeah. Good get, headphones, get that's right. Get some Sennheisers or something. Get some <laughs> decent headphones. Yeah. Because there's a lot of crap little earphones out there. I must exactly. Concur. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Headphones, like, Prince music doesn't, you know, it'll hit you, but it, it'll hit you more when you listen to it with proper headphones. It's Much amazing. More. Yeah. And, again, this I know we're, we're doing musicology right now, but, but another quick comment on the headphone listening experience. Maybe that's another podcast in itself. Listening to Prince on headphones gives his music the space and the kind of environment it really requires to be able to, to investigate and, and allow yourself to be open to all the sounds in, in, vari- in the various songs that he's composed. In comparison to a lot of other commercially available popular music artists, I find that, and I've done this little trick, when I listen to a lot of that type of stuff on headphones as well, it either sounds completely the same or listening to it on headphones makes me appreciate it less because I just, uh, you know, I figure out that either the song's too simple or there's really not that much to it and and with Prince it's the other way around. So this is definitely a, a great headphone album. But um, Musicology finishes up with... Uh, I think he's, he's uh, what is he doing? He's touching the tuning dial on a radio or something like that. I didn't really... <laughs> dig that too much because uh, unfortunately the songs that he put on his own radio station were much better than <laughs> everything on this album so that was yeah. kind of like oh man but uh, it I'll leads us into I'll tell you something really disturbing about that though it's just okay. at the end of that track and he's flicking through you hear some pretty fast heavy breathing in the background <laughs> yeah which that's right. may, and I think he's listened to his own music and <laughs> what's he doing that's whammy bar action again <laughs> that is really disturbing when I heard that <laughs> Have a listen oh, to man. it. That's just, it's scary. I didn't hear that. I was listening to it on headphones. Maybe he listens to his own music and it's not about what he's doing, but what he's thinking. He's thinking, my current stuff is not up to par. Um, I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe he's doing something else, but. <laughs> yeah. And, that, and again, yeah. as we say on the Peach and Black podcast, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> so, um, finishing up on musicology, going into track two Illusion Coma. Am I saying that right, or is it Coma? Pimp and Circumstance. Coma, coma. Pimp and Circumstance. What do you think about this, Mr. Captain? This, I don't know about this song. It's an interesting story, the lyrics. It's just weird, though. It's about this young guy who's having some sort of weird relationship with this extremely ugly white woman who can't dance. I just like, what is, what? Who thinks, who thinks of that? I guess, I guess he does, but it's just weird. But it's like, it's a playful sort of song, and the synth line in it, it's really similar to the song Sex of um, mm. Scandalous Sex Week, but it's a weird song. It's yeah, just it's, a song. It's, sort of, it's, it's more to the R&B rap sort of thing, which I don't really like. That ain't rap, let me put it well, that way. It's, it's whatever he thinks it is. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. 
I haven't got much to say about that song. It's good on headphones. There's lots of stuff to listen to. Mm. I just don't actually like the song that much. But there's lots of there's some good guitar all the way through the song, just tiny snippets, and it just keeps coming back, mm. just for like two seconds, and then it's gone again. But um, yeah, it's okay. Next. <laughs> and next player, what do you think about this one? <sighs> all right, this is for me. This is where the problems start with this CD. Right, uh, man, man. Track. Because it goes from musicology, so it sets up the tone for the album, like going back old school or whatever. you got the organic, funky track, playing your own instruments and all that, to this, you know, very one-dimensional, lame attempt at hip-hop that reaches out to or, or even panders to the cookie-cutter, radio-friendly rappers that are out there. You know, it has these lame, sampled scratch sounds. The beat is boring. There's n- nothing memorable about it. It lacks melody. You know, the guitar is funky and all that. And then you've got these, you know, lyrics that, you know, I envisioned like a Mary Sharon type from type of woman from Under the Cherry Moon <laughs> who snorts coke or drugs. You know, he's got that drug reference in there that pays, you know, the guy to hip it to the funk. You know, all in all, it's a, it's a shitty song. And unlike Future Baby Mama where it's a good track and a crap title, this is a cool title and a crap track. <laughs> I, I, don't I, even, like, I don't even like the title. Yeah, it's very weird, isn't it? Yeah. I like when he goes, um, when he does that old man voice in the middle of it, where he goes, "Boy, I was fine back in the day." I like that. <laughs> that's just but out that's of nowhere. It. it doesn't even fit in with the story. It's got nothing to do with the story. It's just out of nowhere. Oh, I used to be good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's admitting, "Yeah, I know it's crap. I used to be a lot better." <laughs> yeah, because he was he was thinking about the end of musicology again when he was listening to like Little Red Corvette and Seventeen Days. He was thinking, "Well, yeah, that's yeah, that's the biggest letdown of yeah. this." track is you know you're getting snippets of the classic songs like if i was your girlfriend 17 days and then it leads into this so it's a massive letdown yeah because you think that it's going to lead into that <sighs> something similar toe jam can toe jam save this track no <laughs> what do you guys think nothing can no i can't save it i can't say i can save it um yeah just again with that intro as well like i remember listening to it the first time and i'm like oh yeah musicology that's a cool song and then you hear that little intro and you hear 17 days and if i was your girlfriend you're like yeah that's the prince we love yeah <laughs> and then this comes on you're like oh, okay fair enough fair enough what have i got here the guitars you know in the left and the right um speakers that that's the yeah. only the only semi-decent thing about this song um yeah you know, they're, they're really trebly they really kind of attack you like sort of little sharp knives and and okay. classic classic prince you know chicken grease kind of stuff so that, that that's that aspect of it is cool the lyrics i think he's trying to do some sort of analogy of you know the struggling musician versus the record label but he's done it in this weird story <laughs> It just, yeah, it's, uh, I think it would have been better to just come out and do a rap, like, saying it like what he really thinks, rather than trying to put it in this little funny story. That's my opinion. But, you know, Prince is weird. Yeah, but yeah. it's like, I don't know, I, I totally agree with Captain, it's just it's just a weird a weird lyric, <laughs> weird story. It's it's kind of funny the first time you hear it, but after that it's just, uh, alright, whatever, I'll just listen to the guitars and keep going, kind of thing. He should have just saved his time and released Work That Fat instead, it would have been just as good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, it would that that'd make this album <laughs> work that fat. Yeah, no, but this is. I agree with. I agree. With, uh, it's it's not completely horrible, but it's definitely the low point of the album, which is a shame it came oh. so soon after musicology. Oh, but there's some more low points. Don't worry. Uh, there are, but I don't know if they quite reach this Whoa. low. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Another one. Whoa! <laughs> Oh, man, I did not expect that. And just for anyone that's well, listening, not... you can see this is not rehearsed because I'm about to <laughs> go completely the other way on this one. Maybe not completely. I'm not going to sing this song's praises to high heavens. This isn't the greatest thing ever invented. It's not. 
but man, it really got pandered. I feel f- I feel for ICPC, which is um, the way I've got it on here. I really feel for it. I love this track. <laughs> I love this track, guys. Sorry to say, and it's one of the best of, on this album. Wow. It's one of the best on this album because... It says a lot about the album, doesn't it? Well, I don't know. I don't know. We we could have some conflicting opinions here because... And this is why I think it's one of the best of the album. So this is my little time to shine. It is funky in a way that only Prince, especially in these times, can do. And just that alone is enough for me. If it's... Musicology wasn't anywhere near as funky as this. For me, because the guitar is savage, and to say that it's semi all right or that it's okay, I just I don't I can't hear it. I, I was listening to this on headphones, and the guitar was sick. It was ridiculous. It was amazing. It's it's such so simple, and it's it's typical Prince guitar, you know, rhythm guitar playing and, and chicken grease and all that kind of stuff. But it's just like he op- he holds the you know open strings, open chords, and then he closes them up again, and it's just so. It's sublime, and that's what I like about it. I agree with you guys about the fact that the story's a bit weird. What is the story doing on this album? But that's the thing I like. I, I like the fact that it's weird, it's funny, but it's not half funny by any means. Towards the end, it gets really tight. It's strange, and for me, it's one of the most memorable ones. In fact, most of the songs that's on this album are not memorable. This is memorable for me because not only does it stand out on this album, but it even stands out from um, some of the NPGMC Slaughterhouse and, and Chocolate Invasion stuff. This is just... There's something about it to me. I don't know. But uh, I guess that's why we all enjoy different things. It's all on the guitar. You know, I never thought I'd say this. I, I never thought I'd give a song that much credit because of the funk guitar, but I'm saying it right now. It just makes this song completely. And um, it's almost like... He just cooked this up in a day, and I'm thinking, well, man, who else could... It's just weird, and I, I love weird, weird Prince music, weird Prince songs, so oh, I, I just love this song. Absolutely love it, just because of that. Uniquely sung chorus. I don't oh, think he's man. ever played this live, has he, this track? I want to listen, listen to it right now. I think the guitar's its only redeeming feature for me. If there was yeah, no guitar on I this, agree. there would be nothing there. That's right. Yep. Yeah, now, just be this boring beat going and him doing his weird stories. I'm, I'm not going to spoil what I think about the rest of the album and the album on a whole, because I did mention that you know this is a good but not great album, and I think it's probably a little less than good overall. But in comparison to a lot of the material on here, to me, this is one of the standout tracks along with the one that's coming up next. Because it's a standout it's just... track here too, but maybe on the opposite spectrum. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One day, and just on the spur of the moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back in the middle of some other podcast when we're reviewing a different, completely different album and, and come up with a more succinct, lyrical overview of why I think this song is good. Because obviously, you know, towards the end of my little review there, I meandered. You know why I meandered? Because I was feeling the funk. And that's enough. <laughs> if I'm feeling the funk, then the song is awesome. It's freaking... It's, it's just... How different is it? How weird is it? It's like modern-day Beck music. It's just all over the joint. Who does this? Who plays this type of stuff? One really stupid quote I read, I'm not sure if it was Musicology or 3121. It's on Amazon.com, and it's the review. You know, you can do customer reviews, but the actual reviewer by someone at Amazon said, this is what they said, he sounds like the Black Beck. And just, and just, about, and just about every other person who commented said, I think um, Prince was around before Beck was. It was just the most That's ridiculous crazy. thing I've ever yeah. read. But go to Amazon.com. Go to, I think it's 3121. Beck, Beck, is, Beck is the white prince. It's so stupid. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah. just I mean, guys, don't, don't get me wrong. This isn't... 
top 100 Prince track. This is not, again, one of his greatest songs. But on this particular album, it is the funkiest, most ridiculous, weird, strange, wacky, intensely, insanely funky track. If you take... And the funny thing is, I agree. My opinion is very subjective because if you take the guitar off, I'd probably say, man, this song is shit. But the guitar does it for me. It's enough. That's what I love. He just cocked this up in the studio. But anyway... Concocted, sorry, that wasn't even a word. Oh, oh, enough of that. Just on those guitars, what I do like about it is it's obviously two guitars playing, one in the left, one in the right, mm. and he's really taken the time to go through and make sure the phrasing is, is exactly the same on each one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, yeah. And I think that I really like that aspect of it. So, again, like some of the others others have said, if it wasn't for the guitar, this track would be quite low. But with the guitars, it's semi, semi-low. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is weird well, he's put it, that much work in, into the guitars on a track that's just not that good. <laughs> well, he, only has one, he only has one day to do a song, doesn't he? So... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, remember, man. I remember I said in an interview I did a song a day, so yeah, can't waste too much time. I'll stick to it. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm going to stick to my opinion. It's not, a, it's not an amazing track. It's not a great track, but on this album, it's one of the funkiest, and, uh, and I love it. Uh, and now moving on to... Uh, I've spoken too much, so I won't start off with this one, but Million Days. Toe Jam, what do you think about track number three? Yeah, the title um, is kind of reminiscent of 17 Days. The song itself is kind of reminiscent for me of the sort of chaos and disorder sort of sound, that kind of rocky, poppy kind of sounds. It's not a bad. It's I, I like the track. I like the track. It is a little bit maybe formulaic, but it's like the lyrics, especially, just kind of sound a bit generic, kind of you know, sad, lonely Prince song kind of thing, longing for his lover kind of thing. But yeah, I, I like the um, the way he's got the slap bass doubling the guitar solos throughout. Oh, that. Yeah. I think that's a nice touch. Yeah, I've got here lyrics like "I want to be your frame." Paint a picture, I want to be your friend. That's just a crazy rhyme there. Oh, come on, man. It's beautiful. <laughs> I really like the drum fills throughout it. I think it's Prince playing the drums from memory. It's Prince on the drums. Yeah. I really yeah. like a lot of the fills. are really nice. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Lion of Judah. I have the same feeling with Lion of Judah on Planet Earth, which is, it's a good rock song, but uh, kind of lacking something. But having said that, it's, you know, I'd probably give it three and a, three and a half out of five. It's not a bad song by any means. It's a good song. That's it. <laughs> And player, what do you think about this track? They make me upset. <laughs> you guys are gonna hate me. <laughs> Look, I think it's a nice track. It has some nice moments to it, but all in all, I think it's just an okay track. The thing that really bothers me is the drums. <laughs> right from that weak drum feel at the beginning of the song. Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> I just want them to be tightened up, like you know, like the Michael B kind of drums. It just sounds like a. It just sounds really weak. And I'll, I'll leave it on this, and I know you guys are going to hate me for saying this. This is Dolphin's poor cousin. Yeah, I can see that. It does have Dolphin elements in it, but if you're going to compare this to Dolphin, Dolphin will always win. Oh, yeah. That's the way I see it. Sorry, guys. No, that's all right. This is, it's a free country. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not saying that it's like the worst track I've ever heard. It is listenable. It is a good track. But, you know, when I'm hearing these Dolphin elements to it, I'm instantly going to compare it to Dolphin. And so I think Dolphin's a lot better. And if you just tighten up the drums, maybe I'd have that opinion. But yeah, that's it from me. Captain, you'll go. I'm going to say all the same things. When I first heard it, 
I thought, oh, this this sounds like a, you know, it's an outtake from Gold Experience. And then I listened to it more and I said, yeah, it sounds just like Dolphin, doesn't it? And it does to me, but it's not as good as Dolphin. Dolphin's a great track. Sorry, I just remembered then, came to my head. I remember reading somewhere that apparently this song was recorded in 1999 or, or like that year around then and then re-recorded again for this album. So it is, from what I know, it is, well, it was a couple of years old at least by the time it started. Whether or not, I think it might have been completely re-recorded, but I have read a few times that it was an older song that had been redone. That time frame would also actually make sense with regards to the lyrical context of this particular track, I guess. It's kind of like um, not a breakup track per se, but has those themes and elements to it. You know, it could be the um, late 99 split, potentially, who knows? 100,000 million days. That's a bit of exaggeration, but anyway... (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but no, nah, I... That's how I, long it's been since you listened to this album, isn't it? Pretty much. I don't mind this song. I think it's like looking at everything he's ever done, it's a, it's an average track. It's not bad, but there's a lot better tracks than this one. So, yeah, it's okay. I won't say it's just a song, but it's a bit better, <laughs> it's a bit better than that. Uh, say whatever you want. I'm through. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's all good. It's all about um, getting everyone's opinions, obviously, and you're gonna you're about to hear mine, and it's gonna be pro a million days. This is top three, you know, in the top three tracks of this album, easily for me, and, and I'll get to my top three by the end of it. I got carried away before. I'm sorry. I stand by my claim with with illusion, come a pimp and circumstance, but I'm just gonna calm down. I'm gonna just review this very, very kind of mellow review. Is what I'm about to do. <laughs> This is pure pop perfection. It is brilliant from beginning to end. Amazing composition with regards to the instrumentation specifically. I'll I'll hit on the lyrics in a second. And um, the thing that Tojan mentioned, I had that in my notes, in my notes, in my notes. I'm not drunk, by the way. In my in my notes, almost word for word. The part where, especially in the beginning, where the guitar doubles up, the melody of the guitar doubles up with the bass. I really like that. Very nice touch. And, and it's elegant. It's very elegant to me. It sounds, sounds really, really nice at the beginning. Again, it's OMB. It's one-man band. Prince playing everything. He's composed this track, which is just mind-blowing to me. If I ever write a song even half as decent as this, I am demanding a record contract from from, <laughs> from, from, from any you know company within within Australia. But it's impressive. It's just an impressive song to me. It's heightened and becomes more powerful by the drumming. Again, referring to Toe Jam's statement about the, the drum fills, I'm not a drummer by trade, but to my ears, the drum fills are really, really nice. And they either speed up or, or in, increase in... Um, Velocity while increasing with volume towards the end of the track. And I think the lyrics are awesome. They're half-redemptive, really honest, while being lame, obviously, because it's Prince writing them. But, you know, (laughs) a semi-breakup love song, great playing by him. And it's very atmospheric. The bass is popping, and it pops all over, and it pops in unexpected places where it's not supposed to pop traditionally. The vocals, I can't believe no one's mentioned the vocals. Come on. (laughs) The layered vocals are ridiculous. Yeah, that is good. It's just, oh, man. If Prince's only trait was layering background vocals, that's all that he, he, he was born, and that's all he did. He just layered background vocals on people's songs, on commercial music, 
already in my books he'd be he'd be you know an amazing artist and um i totally agree with that i think he's um he doesn't get the credit for that like he gets the credit for the guitar soloing and the uh, you know uh you know the compositions but i think that's a really good point that his background vocals throughout his whole career have been amazing and yeah uh, absolutely they're just in this specifically in this song uh, not to say that they are the best background vocals he's ever done again but the way he's layered them is perfect and I just love the way he's mixed it as well, especially towards the end. His background vocals are very choir-like, and you get that sensation on the headphones. There's a, I think there's a bit of panning effect as well. It's just, oh, I can't obviously sing, but that kind of effect is just amazing. This song, I love it. I, it's one of those Treasure Island songs. If you could pick 100 songs, and I'm serious about this, this one's coming with me. So um, love it. I love this track. And uh, we go into track number four. After the first three, some interesting opinions. We go straight into Life of the Party. And I'm going to shut up for the rest of this track because this is whack. I've got nothing to say about it. <laughs> you guys, you guys, if you love this track, I wouldn't be surprised because you hated the other two. <laughs> so, to the floor, Mr. Tojam, Life of the Party. Um, when I first heard the album, this song completely ruined it for me. I've since learned to appreciate it a little bit more, but it's still down there as one of the stinkers on the album. <laughs> what the, you know, the thing that kills it for me is just that stupid piano just going, just playing this one note. It's just, yeah, yeah. it's just, it just irritates me. I don't know what it is, but it, yeah, it just sounds so cheap. It sounds so cheap. It sounds like he just grabbed a Casio, put it on piano, you know, zero zero piano, standard piano sound. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds dinky. That's what it says. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's another you know jam of the year kind of song. It's a song about the party and the song kind of thing. We going we going to have a party? Yeah. Okay. Party nice for you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind the breakdown. It's you know very reminiscent of Missy Elliott, who was very big at the time. It's got. I like the Michael Jackson reference. I ain't never heard my nose done. I think that's a funny line. That and that worked really well in the live setting as well. It's got a lot of bells and whistles, but it's like there's nothing to hold it all. Well, not to hold it together, but there's sort of no substance to begin with. It's similar in Illusion Coma to me in that sense. Is that it has all these fancy things going on, but you know the core of the song. There's just nothing there. Nothing there for. You can't polish a turd, as they say. Yeah, that, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's <laughs> Does that fit well? Pretty much. I want- I want you to use that <laughs> whenever you dislike the song. <laughs> yeah, Candy Dolphin's vocals are all right, but again, the lyrics, you know, we're going to have a party. All are welcome to. All are welcome Hey, who wants to go to that party? <laughs> and it's bullshit, too, because unless you're A-list celeb, you ain't getting in. That's right. <laughs> He's lying to us. He's lying to us on record. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I do like the horns, though. I like the horns, that little horn line that comes in. That's not bad. do 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 Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, I'll pass it on because i got nothing else about this one. Captain, what do you think about the life of the party? Well, I guess he had to be there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's not a bad song. It's, it's just it's, it's, But it probably is the weakest song on this album for me. It sounds like you know some sort of warm-up jam that they're just playing, waiting for everyone to get there. He's got some good vocals, not actual lyrics, but some of the vocals he's doing are pretty good in there. And um, he don't play the hits no more, plus I thought he was gay. Oh, and then my voice is getting higher God and I had never had my nose done. 
the thing I noticed, the melody of the chorus is Nasty Girl. I'm sure of it. It's very similar. I kind of hear it, yeah. But um, for me, this is most skippable track. Yeah, far. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all I got to say. Player, can you bring bring some life into the party? Bring some life into this party. Can you do it? I don't think so. I don't think nothing can bring life into this. <laughs> Look, when this was first played on the news tour, if you can call it that, of 2003, when he came to Australia, he, he threw this one in. And back then, it sounded good because he mixed it with... James Brown's Hot Pants, the Which horn is line. what it's based on, I think. Yeah, but it, he doesn't actually use the horns in the actual album track, but he used it on the live thing. And it, listening to it, it sounded really good. And I was really looking forward to getting this CD for this track because of that performance. But you then listen to this... And the beat at the start, it sounds like Stomp. You know those guys that hit all the rubbish cans? <laughs> yeah, Banging yeah. the cans and ringing bells and shaking matchstick boxes and all that. It sounds like that. And the lyrics are yep. half-baked. <laughs> and the debate of whether it's aimed to Michael Jackson or not and all that sort of stuff, you know, it becomes half-interesting when it switches up to that ragga-style beat. Yeah. But, you know, that's very short-lived and it goes back into his boring party. And... You know, this isn't a party track. It, it, it kind of contradicts itself, you know, because he's done a lot of party tracks over his time. And then, you know, you, th- you expect even from the title, this is going to be the party banger of the album, and it's not. But at least Candy likes it. She um, sings it. She's incorporated into her live sets now, so it lives on through Candy, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's saying much. Mm, so that's it from me. Thank God. Okay, so after track four, Death of the Party, we move into... <laughs> You're not even going to say anything about that one. <laughs> no, I, I really, I really Come have. Come on, I really have n- nothing to add other than what you guys have said, and I agree with every positive comment about it. I just, I skip it. <laughs> Which one was that? I skip it, and I'm not being facetious either. Like in, in all seriousness, it's it does absolutely nothing for me. Literally, there's not a single element within this song that I find listenable. This is um, one of the rare occasions that I actually skip a track because 98 percent of the time on any Prince album. Even some of the, the, the more pedestrian songs or kind of just decent tracks I, I end up listening to. The drumming is, well, the drumming, the beat is uninspired, the lyrics are whack, the title is rubbish, it's just crappy. It just, it's really, um, there's, there's nothing to say about it. I don't You're like Candy Cooper. I don't You're like Candy singing. <laughs> I probably am. Gee, you know, I've, I'm struggling to find not something nice to say, I'm struggling to find anything to say about this song or, or at least anything that hasn't been mentioned. Life of the party. I, I, I just don't know. I don't know what to say. I find it difficult to, I don't know, I mean, a million days and, and illusion come up, you know, ICPC and musicology rip all over this to shreds. I just think it's lame. That's what it is. Mm. It's lame. It's really lame to listen to. It's. Let me put it this way. From my point of view, Prince has a very small selection of songs that when I listen to or I begin listening to before I skip them become cringeworthy and to me there are too many cringeworthy elements in, in this track for me to give it a proper a proper spin and I've heard it in full so yeah there's a fine line between being good cheesy and just stupid cheesy and this is stupid cheesy <laughs> yeah so um, sorry to disappoint but I've, I've just got nothing I can't breathe any life into it you can say with his songs though He's got songs that they're great on the album and live they don't work. And then there's songs that are great live and on the album they're not that good. This is definitely, I mean, it's not a great song in concert, but it's better than the album version by far. On the Musicology tour when this was played, I just cringed. (laughs) I cringed. I couldn't take it. It was even worse because he's actually exposing it in a live setting to me. 
this song. Oh. I can't. I just can't believe this song. I can't. I, oh. I can't believe how, why I've got so much little to say about it. It, it hasn't touched me in any way. But Absolutely. live, he did it with Hot Pants, and I think Soul Man came straight after it. I yeah. can't remember now. Soul Man. That's, and with that's that, what I remember. I remember Soul Man. I don't remember this. Yet. But live, it wasn't too bad. Anyway, it can only get better from here. <laughs> so going into track five, call my name. I believe this was the second single release. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, because Musicology came out first. Yep. And Grammy Award winner for Best R&B Vocal as well. Yeah, so, he, won, um, he won a bunch of Grammys, didn't he? Yeah, well, Musicology won the Grammy just going back for a second for traditional R&B performance. And I believe the Call My Name won for um, Best Vocal Performance as well. So he picked up a couple yeah. of Grammys. With, with he got nominated for five and he won two. Yeah. He got traditional R&B Vocal Performance and Best R&B Vocal Performance. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Who wants to take this one on? Maybe start with player this time. Yeah, it's a it's a nice track, but it doesn't light my world on fire. I mean, it, the music is um, the way I hear it. The music is a slow down version of um, the joy and repetition that they do on It Ain't Over CD. You know, the, the phrasing at the at the end of each verse it goes dun 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 dun. It sounds the same to me as the joy and repetition. Anyway, have a listen to it. You'll pick it up. Yeah, even though it was Grammy nominated, it's it's just okay for me. The video was a sleeper. It wasn't, you know, very interesting, the the um, video. The main thing that annoys me is the whole, you know, how he wants everyone to call out his name. You know, because, like, in the early 90s, it was like, you know, what's my name? And, you know, people yelled out Prince, and he's like, no, that's not my name. And then, you know, keep saying it, what's my name? And then people weren't yelling out anything. So, you know, he's kind of satisfied that people picked up that he's now the symbol and all this. And then now he changed his name back to Prince, and it's like, you know, what's my name now? And people call out Prince, and, you know, he's kind of happy. I, I really hate that because he always brings it up, you know, what's my name, what's my name? And I, I just, he's flogging a dead horse with those as far as I'm concerned. But... The, the track's okay. Well, we know he's got, like, the biggest ego on the planet, so... Yeah. He can understand it. Hand it over. All right, Captain. Oh, call my name. Captain. I think this is one of the best ballads he's done in a while. Thank God. But you know what I reckon's missing from it? It's like what? a nice guitar solo at the end of it. Like a... Um, it's got plenty of my... Yeah, it doesn't really no, have, but a, I mean, it like... doesn't have a solo at all, does it? No, but I mean, like, a, um, like a just, just my imagination, that kind of guitar on it. I know oh, it's got can... guitar on it, but, you know, something nice at the end, just to sort of sweeten it. That's that's what I was looking for in this track. Uh-huh. I really like this song. I think it's one of the best ballads he's done in a fair while. And this song actually sticks in my head, as most of the album don't. This one does for some reason. It just pops into my head every now and then, and nothing else on this album really does. But, um, I mean, if this is the one that won the Grammy for Best Vocals, I can see why. But he's done a lot better vocals, which never got nominated, so I don't know. Yeah. But um, I like it. It's got a really good... I like the bass. It's got some good bass in it, nice bass lines. But yeah, I like this. Next. So, Jim, what do you think about Call My Name? Yeah, I really like this song. The music, to me, is it's very similar to part of the song West from News. And I think he... You know, that jam was obviously improvised with the band. And I think he picked up on that and say, oh, I'm going to write a proper song with this kind of... That music to it. And I think... I like... I think that was a really nice touch, sort of showing how he could go from the jam and then turn that into, like, you know, more of a fully-fledged song. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree. This is um, one of his better ballads of the last, you know, 10 years. It's very much a door, but without being disappointing. It's it's not as good as a door, obviously, but it doesn't, it certainly doesn't disappoint you. It's it's. Um, I like the way, you know, the song starts off very simple and it's just like a door again, it builds and builds. And by the end, you've got all these crazy things happening uh, with the, the organ in the background and the, you know, might be tempted to break the law and all the what's <laughs> happening there and 
yeah, so the musicianship is really off the hook on this one. And I, from memory, I haven't looked at the lyric book for a while, but I think this is, again, this is a one-man band song. Yes, it is. Yep, cool. There's also another interesting feature here, and I've got doubled flutes. It's this synth flute sound he's been using for the last yeah. few years, and it's on yep. reflection, cinnamon girl, what do you want me to do? I really like that sound. I think it works. Me too. What else have we got? Yeah, no, I think it sounds genuine as well. Like uh, some Prince ballads come across a bit fake, but this this is one of the ones that, that does seem quite genuine. And although I agree with player that I'm not a big fan on the whole what's my name thing, but I think this one did seem kind of genuine in terms of, hey, look, I'm called Prince again and, and I like being called Prince. And I think that was kind of nice to share that with his fans again. So, yeah, I, I like this is probably second or third best track on the best track on the album for me. All right. Oh, you put a smile on my face. Because I... Oh, he's talking about Call My Name. Oh, that's not shit. (laughs) Just spite me. Call My Name is um, classic. It is classic. It is, in my mind, is a classic Prince ballad. All all other comparisons, I guess, as much as they're warranted, this is just excellent all round. It's a very strong song. It's a very strong ballad. It's Again, it's a one-man band performance. One-man composition, performance, delivery, production as well. So... To me, that's that's really insane. Usually, when you listen to, and obviously this is in the vein of soul, uh, a soulful R&B slow jam, ninety-eight percent of the time when you listen to this type of stuff, you're talking about three or four different musicians playing on this, having an input into this type of stuff. Usually, lyrics are swiped from somewhere else, whether it be a poem or some sort of, um, you know, independent artist. Or, or, I mean, obviously, sometimes artists come up with their own stuff as well. But it's fascinating to me, and it's amazing to me that this song from start to finish is the work of one man and you know you can get into that with with all sorts of print songs and albums but this one really does it for me the drumming is really nice classy again there's some um there's some very nice drumming towards the end of this song i love how he closes it off i agree with um i can't remember who said now but that if it's felt genuine or, or heartfelt i think it is it, touching heartfelt lyric is what i've got or lyrics and um, i'm gonna go out here and, on a limb now and i stand by this because i've put a lot of thought into this track this is one of Prince's greatest ballads, but it's a quiet achiever. That's the way I see it. It's amazing because of its, its bass pops and there's some ghost notes there if you really listen to it on headphones. The, the, the flute sounds are awesome. They sound like samples, obviously, because he's used them around uh, a few times throughout this album. But the guitar, this is what strikes me as amazing as a, as a headphone listening experience. The guitar background via, via the effects pedal, which is probably like a, a crying, uh, either a wah-wah or something similar, is just so subtle, but it's so perfect. And for anyone that hasn't heard that, the, the first few times they listen to this, um, to this track, get it on some headphones and listen to it. It's ridiculous. And again, the background vocals. They are ridiculous, amazing, all those other superlatives that I've thrown around. The vocals are seamless. I just, I cannot believe how, how they sound. Like, you just listen to them, and it's, it's reminiscent of D'Angelo and Maxwell, but reminiscent only because Prince is the man. He, he came up with this stuff, with a lot of this stuff, originally years ago. Yeah. And this is his domain, and I think he shows those guys how to do it, you know? What I want to hear is D'Angelo or Maxwell, at 45 or 50 years of age, coming up with a track like this and executing it to the same degree, as maturely and as beautifully as Prince has done. I think the composition, performance is amazing. I can't say enough about the bass. This is probably the second best track on the album for me. I love Call My Name. Looking at it solely as a one-man band performance, it's excellent. 
It's awesome, yeah. When you listen to it, just knowing that he did everything, it's an amazing track. Uh, yeah, the, the vocals, the backing vocals, just everything. Thinking that, yeah, he did it. He wrote it all, recorded it all, played it all. That's pretty good, damn good. Yeah. And then, There's um, a really nice scream in there, too, towards the end. It was like, Whoa! and uh, that's, uh, that's a really nice scream. I, I like it's your like, one better. Yeah, I'm using <laughs> that in the promo. <laughs> With some flute background. Yeah. No, but I remember um, the first time I heard that vocal, it just hit me straight in the heart. I was like, whoa, where did that come from? That's a really nice kind of building up to a scream kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um, problem with some of his recent ballads is they're soulless they're not genuine they're a ballad for the sake of having a ballad on the album yeah on the album but this one sounds better it's got something behind it did you hear any panting in the background this time Captain? not on this one no <laughs> well, this is where you should have the panting <laughs> well he was probably singing to himself in the mirror so <laughs> that's why it came out so good <laughs> Okay, so then from Call My Name, from the ballad, we go into something slightly or completely different, depending on your point of view. Cinnamon Girl. Now, just before we go into this, this title has been around... um, Neil Young. Yeah, exactly. Very different song. But let's go into Cinnamon Girl and get some thoughts. Start off with Toe Jam. What do you think about Cinnamon Girl, the track? Yeah, I don't mind it. It's a little bit... The whole thing, the lyrics and the music... Again, you know, I'm probably sounding more that I hate it more than I actually do because it's not that bad. But the whole thing just sort of comes across a little bit generic. Goofy. I wouldn't say goofy. It just sort of sounds like Prince decided to write and he's like, okay, I want to write an 80s kind of sounding semi-political track. And this is what he came up with. It's kind of, all right, it's a little bit average in the songwriting department, I think. But the guitar solos towards the end are really good and there's lots of whammy, which is I like. Uh, (laughs) Whammy in this one. Starts off with whammy, I think. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I I really like the video. I think the video was very interesting. Oh, that was the sort of like animated one, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, Prince trying to comment on you know what was happening at the time in America and again I think we've mentioned this in the last couple of albums uh, he doesn't really quite hit it for me in term- when, he- when he's talking politically but it's not a bad attempt by any means and there's you know, there's a bit of Bible referencing in there, which again you know, I've come to accept, but it's just the way it is these days. Yeah, it's not a bad track, but it's a little bit average. All right, Captain, is it average to you? Um, I'll say yes. The thing that uh, straight away well, I listened to it a couple of times today. It's only got three chords. That just annoys me. That's rock and roll. That's just lazy. <laughs> for this it's lazy guy, for Prince. Yeah, it's lazy for, for Prince. The, for this guy, that's just lazy. But if his aim was making a really simple pop dance sort. Of thing, then he did that. Probably was his aim, considering the album. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's it's masterpiece by any anyone. I mean, Ronnie talked to Russia was as goofy as it gets, but I love that song. But all the ones he's done since then have been trying to be more serious, and it just doesn't work. Mm. It's nah. But the weird thing with this song, I didn't even notice this, but I found it somewhere. There's the juxtaposition. Whoever even knows what that means of this track, it's got like a catchy hook and a chorus and upbeat music, but it's got this like sort of sad story behind it which is mm. which is similar to like strange relationship and america sort of they're not the happiest stories but they're sort of upbeat music mm. very interesting but i never even noticed it myself because i don't listen to a lot of lyrics i just listen to the song as it is but yeah i found that somewhere and i thought oh yeah that's that's right but yeah it's 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 a oh, for this one it's it's just a song this song doesn't <laughs> stick it doesn't stick in my head as soon as i've listened to it it's gone okay. next Next, I'll hit this one up next. 
kind of agree with again what everyone what everyone said on this one, which is I think this is a first. Am I agreeing with you guys? No, call, call my name. Call my name was similar, but this is a average track. It's I don't even consider it political. See, the thing with Prince is, especially post two thousand and one, with regards to his personal the changes in his personal life, his political songs and 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 pretty much all of his music now and comes from the stem of of religion. So he's this is far more religious than political. Yeah, in theme lyrically especially and it's quite narrow-minded as well and i don't have a problem saying that but getting away from the um the kind of religious right style non-committal lyrics which is what they are it's quite good playing again i've mentioned this a few times and just because prince is playing everything doesn't make it a great track but this is a one-man band performance and again his drumming is quite good this is the drumming on musicology is some of the best studio drumming he's ever done or at least recorded from my point of view i really really like it and it's it's always just as a um as a fairly hardcore prince fan it's always great hearing hearing him drum even if it's nothing particularly special because i just I, i find that quite pleasant to listen to so the background vocals on this are amazing again. What he does with them and, and the way that he lays the keyboard chorus underneath it as well while he's singing those background vocals, very nicely dubbed. And it's, it's quite a full-sounding and textured textured track. Again, great drumming towards the end that and the drumming comes in to full effect with some of the guitar solos. Just following up on what Tojam said. So yeah, it's a decent song. It's like a, you know, if it's out of five, I'd give it a solid three. But um, nothing great. Nothing great by any means. That's about it. Yeah. What are your thoughts, could, player? I'll just say, could have used a bit less whammy bar, but... <laughs> there's nothing in there, is there? There's nothing in the oh, beginning. Every time he plays there's it, heaps, it's yeah, whammy there's bar. There's heaps in this one. Every really? solo, everything. Really? I've listened to it. It's, yeah, it's everywhere. Oh, okay. I don't know why. Oh, sorry, sorry player. Go, go, go. No, you're right. Um, I hated this song when it first came out, so... It took me a few listens to grow into it, um, but when I did, I thought it was a pretty good track. This great guitar... Better attempt at the lyrics than, say, resolution, you know, if you were compared to, to a track like that. The lead line riff in it reminds me a little bit of Endorphin Machine, sort of modelled on that, but nice track. And also the controversy of the music video, having the, um, what's her name? Keisha Castle Hughes, I think her name is, blowing yeah. up the airport with a bomb. So mm, fits in with the topic of the song of you know, Muslim victimization after the 9-11 attacks. But I like the way the video was made with that half animation style. But I, I think it was, I, I remember it being pretty controversial. I think, um, have you guys seen that Fox News Network? It's hilarious watching yeah. that, that. Oh, Fox, that. Fox is classic stuff. Fox is classic. They complained that Prince was causing trouble with this video. So I thought that was pretty hilarious. But yeah, it's, it's, it's an okay track. It's a little bit Christian rock. Yeah. I don't, I don't say that against Christian people at all. Yeah. But it just kind of sounds like, you know, a, you know, your high school Christian rock band kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, it's like as if, if anyone knows the band Weezer, it's as if they turned kind of like, um, <laughs> if they, they, they were, Weezer Reborn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Weezer are a good band, by the way. But, um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that too. There's Cinnamon Girl Done and Dusted. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Going into track number seven, W-D-U-W-U-D-D. Is that what it is? Yeah. Um, and that stands for? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Well, which first came out in the MPG Music Club, I think. Yeah, in, in identical format from memory, the way it was initially released yeah. and, and how, how it appears on the album, minus actually the um, Italian commentary towards the end of the song. 
But um, I'll give this up to the floor first of all. But before I do, I'll say that this, A Million Days and Call My Name, are my top three musicology tracks. So, uh, Tojam, what do you think about this? Yeah, this is a great song. You know, every Prince album has this song that I always say it sounds like he wrote it in a dream. This is the song. It sounds like he wrote it in a dream. It's just, it's just so interesting. It's so interesting. There's so many things happening in this song. It's very reminiscent of Ballad of Dorothy Parker. It's very much like, yeah. I'm going to write, I'm going to write. And in fact, all of these songs are kind of harking back to another song he's done somewhere. Like, you know, Million Days, the title harks back to 17 Days. Call My Name has the references to what, it, what happened to him in the 90s kind of thing. And again, the name checking himself in musicology. So you know, a lot of these songs kind of hark back to older songs. And this one's definitely an attempt at harking back to Dorothy Parker. But it's, it's a great attempt. It, yeah, like I said, there's so many things happening in this. The bass is off the hook all the way through it. Unbelievable. The bass is ridiculous. Bass, yeah. Oh, my God. My um, face gets all screw, screwed yeah. up listening to this. Song. You get the funk face. Yeah, absolutely. And there's just so many things happening with the keyboards and that flute sound again really works. And you know the chorus. What do you want me? It just it's such a unique chorus kind of thing. Mm. The only thing, some of the lyrics are a little bit, you know, you'd get beheaded in other lands kind of thing. Kind of tying it in with the what was happening and you know trying to link it to. Uh, what was happening at the time. Yeah, but that's the only bad thing I have about this track. Yeah, this is definitely the top two or three of the album and one of his better tracks of the last 10 years, I reckon. Yeah, very solid song. What do you think about it, player? I think it's an awesome song. Like Future Baby Mama, it's like Prince locking himself up in the studio with his limb drum, key, uh, keyboards, bass and guitar and just having a blast with it. It was exciting to hear the Lin Drum sort of return in this track. I can see the comparisons to Dorothy Parker, like um, Tojem pointed out. It wasn't like a full-on Lin Drum track previous to his releases up until this point. So when it came back, I was pretty excited to hear it. And like you guys said earlier, it's another one to blast in the headphones. Like you put this on headphones and oh, it's just man. pure bliss, this. So nothing, I've got no complaints about this song. It's awesome. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I follow up on that. In fact, now that I'm thinking about my top three, I'm thinking about order. Do I put this in front of Call My Name? I don't know. But I think I think this is my number one, actually. I was very close to making that comment at the beginning of the um, of the show, and I think I'm going to stick with it. This is the standout track on this album. It's ridiculous. That's what it is. The Lindrum is sparkling. It's beautiful to listen to. And on headphones, yeah. it's just... Oh, man, who does that? Who does this? Do you know yeah, what I mean? Really, it's, it, it pops. Yeah, and it pops, but it's not distorted. It's just so perfectly programmed. Prince is the master of the Lindrum and a master of drum programming. I can't emphasize that enough. And it's so bouncy as well. It's just, uh, it's amazing. It's a, such a bouncy sound. It's a headphone track, no doubt. The layering of, of instruments and sounds within this song is a little bit reminiscent to me of the word from... Um, 3121 only in that I guess it, it's less hollow sounding but I go back to this you know probably on every album or every second album the space and time effect the way that he he gets this really fully formed groove and soundscape that he paints and this is one of those one of those tracks like that you know the, the dream reference that you made Toe Jam really groovy rhythm the bass is <laughs> unbelievable I've got the biggest smile on my face right now and it's exactly the same smile I've got when I listen to it on headphones the bass is, is just popping ridiculously all over the place the other thing just closing off is it's kind of a semi-Latin feel at points and then also little trinklets of, of jazz guitar and a whole lot of atmosphere it's, it's such a classy song and it could have in lesser hands let me let me just say this in lesser hands this could have become watered down derivative cocktail bar lounge music and it is so much more 
this is the standout track of this album. What do you think? I can't Captain? imagine anyone else writing this song. This is one of those songs you hear it and you think, you know, this just came from the back of Prince's head somewhere. Yeah, out of, I agree. out of nowhere into the and it's like no one else could write something like this. Yeah, it's uniquely Prince. Yeah. No one actually that I can think of. It's ridiculous. Captain, what are your thoughts? I've got nothing really to add. Everyone's... Say it's just a song. No, it's, it. it's, it's much more than just a song. <laughs> but everyone's already said everything I've got written there. Really similar to Ballad of Dorothy Parker, just with the sound it sort of gets. And yeah, the Lynn drum machine. But anyone can say, yeah, the Lynn drum machine. But with Prince programming it, that's the key. Anyone can get a Lynn drum machine. But he just, it's the best drum programming he's done in like, you know, 20 years. It's just excellent. Yeah, I don't know why anyone, I mean, you could even say it's better than, than Dorothy Parker. You know, the, I'm talking about the drum programming itself. It's I very. Because I never really got that song as much as other people seem to have. I mean, it's a good song. It's on Sign of the Times, which is a classic album. But Ballad of Dorothy Parker, I don't think it's the best song ever. It's definitely more polished than Ballad of Dorothy Parker. But yeah. Well, yeah. whether it's better than it, I don't know. A lot of Sign of the Times. I'm just talking about the, dr- the, the, the drum programming, the, the Lynn, because it's so similar. What I mm. guess, you know, it, it just opening it up, opening up the floor here, how, does it differ that much? I don't know if it does. I don't know. A lot of the... the what was I going to say? Oh, I forget. Anyway, this song is good. <laughs> See, uh, this is why, to me, I think, you know, I don't like... I, I think the beat on Illusion Coma Pimp is boring because you hear something like this and it's just... There's no comparison. Mm. So, oh, I, rem- I remember. A lot of stuff on the so time sounds new. <laughs> no one's going to give you a go tonight. <laughs> a lot of the stuff on Sign of the Time sounds sort of more demo-y, and this sounds, you know, he's worked on it. It's perfectly crafted. It's it's done. It's completed. If he started playing around with it anymore, he'd screw it up, mm. as he's done with other songs. But this is yeah. as good as as good as it's going to get. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm done. What do you want me to do? Goes into kind of a duo track, guess, um, at least sound-wise. Going into track number eight, The Marrying Kind. And I'll start off with Player. What do you think about track number eight? I I started to like... I like this part of the album um, where it starts to sort of pick up a bit. I like the guitar and bass. It's really heavy on this track. It's interesting phrasing. It has a classic Prince style of a sound to it. It has a lot of grunt. And this, was, this CD was Prince's first, you know, he had news... Um, before this, but it was his first release that had vocals, so it addressed this uh, lyric with Missy Elliott. You know, she brought out that track, Work It, and in that song she says, you know, Prince couldn't get me to change my name, and it had that impersonator in the video, and I think, I don't know, I sort of interpret this as like him responding to that track or that video with the, has she, you know, put her on the same diet? Because mm. this was, um, that was from her Under Construction CD and that was the first time that she came out and she'd lost all that weight. So I don't know if it's a stab at her. A lot of people see it that way, but it's it's just very quick track. It doesn't go that long and it sort of blends into the next track. But yeah, it's it's an interesting track. I like it. So, Jim, do you like this one? I do. I always look at this and um, the next track is one track. Yeah. That's the way I, I can't listen to one without the other. I really like the harpsichord in this. It's a nice, nice, um, something interesting. Uh, it's also in harmonic minor kind of key, which is kind of interesting. He doesn't do a lot of that. Not many pop music does. So that, again, is interesting. I like the guitars, obviously. It's a nice, heavy, grunty, angry Prince song. Yeah, it's good. So it's a good song. It's a good song. 
All right, Captain, what do you think? Yeah, much of the same. The marrying kind and um, if I was the man in your life, it's pretty much, you know, part one and part two of the little story he's got going. And marrying kind, it's about, you know, he's. it sounds like he's telling the guy who's losing his woman that he's lost a really good thing and he should have recognised and valued the, the woman that he had. And then he got in the next track, well, that's Prince telling the woman who's not being appreciated by the guy what he's going to do. But it's yeah, it's all a little story. But yeah, this song, it is, it's, <laughs> but Toe Jam said, it's harmonic minor. It's, it's stuff that he hasn't, some of the guitar chords that he's playing in the Marion kind, I've never heard him play before. It's different from anything he's ever done in that sort of style of music. If you listen to just the guitar on actually on both the tracks, he hasn't done it before. That's a pretty amazing feat considering that this was, you know, how many ever years, 26 years or something into his career. Yeah, but it's, yeah, yeah. these two songs, I, I listened to them as one. I like it. Yeah, to, to me, I agree with what everyone, what everyone said. I haven't got much to expand. The only thing that I've got to add about the first half of the duo, which is the marrying kind, is... is Good to have Blackwell back on the drums, and you can hear a distinct difference between Blackwell's playing and Prince's playing earlier on the disc. And it, you know, it becomes very organic. Yeah, the key I didn't really pay attention to. I'll have to go and, and listen to that one again. But I, I do, I can f- kind of reminisce and think about the chords that he's playing or the progressions, and they do sound odd. They do sound odd in comparison to mm. to a lot of the stuff that he's done, and it's kind of cool. And again, you know, the message, it's just pimped out Prince, that's what he's saying. He's saying that, you know, I'll fulfill you better than anyone else, or actually, am I thinking about the second track, but... Yeah, that's the, that's the second one. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, you know, you should you should really, you know, love your woman and respect yeah. her or vice versa, so kind of... Um, Almost cliched uh, storytelling there, but yeah, it's it's a good it's a good song. Uh, someone mentioned um, harpsichord or harpsichord or however you say it. I had Wurlitzer. Is that am I on the right track there? Because that's that just came up in my mind. Mm. Does anyone kind of hear that or? It's more of uh, a harpsichord sound I hear. Yeah, harpsichord. All right. Or even just a synth playing a harpsichord sound, could, but could be yeah. But I, I like that. It's very odd, very very odd little little um, bell and a little whistle there. Um, going into the other one, the second half of this the other is, one is <laughs> uh, if I was the man in your life. I guess we've sort of you know began to cover it. But has anyone got anything specific to say about this about track number nine? If I was the man in your life, yeah, yeah this is this is great. I love this. Uh, it sort of has like three tempos to it. That's what I like about it. You've got the slow sort of jaws almost. <laughs> and then you've got I think you know, we're the vocal. Need a bigger boat. <laughs> and then the um the vocal on top of that it's kind of you know got this almost kind of scatty, almost almost semi wrapped almost, uh, which I think is really interesting. And then when it comes in on the chorus, they're all sort of together again. And, and yeah, it's such such an interesting song. And the lyrics are really the re- lyrics in this are really good, I think. Because I think, you know, we've all had this feeling when you see that woman, you think, man, if I was if I was your man, you know, that kind of thing. I think lyrically it's probably one of the best songs on the album. And again with um Blackwell's drumming, when you hear that that first feeling, you're like, oh yes, that kicks me in the heart. Yeah. Straight into it. Yeah. I, I agree with your sentiment there about the lyrics especially. Who who's that fool that she's with is what I always think. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't make sense. What does she see in him? Lyrics like um he liked the Lakers but the sixes are where he came. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, the, the lyrics are the lyrics are very interesting. They're kind of tongue in cheek at the same time but he's, he's he's out there with a point to prove I think. I make this one short because I, although I like it I haven't I haven't got too many notes about it but the thing that I, I really enjoy is that it sounds like 
it's spontaneous sounding. It's, it obviously sounds very different to, to the vast majority of, of, of Prince's rep- repertoire and his past albums, but it's very spontaneous sounding and it's almost pseudo-experimental, I guess, especially in its structure. The way yeah. the song, it's not classic traditional pop structure, definitely mm. not. So yeah, I, I like that. And the ba- oh, yeah, the guitar and bass, awesome, awesome combination. And again, that's him on, on, on the bass as well, so... Um, Really, really good rhythm. He should be his own rhythm section. I, I, I really, really, really like this song. Player, what do you think? Yeah, I love the um, piano that comes in right at the start. I just thought that was like classic Prince, like a bit like the Beautiful Ones, the way it's sort of played. Yeah. Um, and it continues on with that guitar and bass grunt, like what Tojan was saying with the um, Jaws. It just continues on with that. And as he says, you know, you better get your Mac on because he does with this track. And um, Blackwell on the drums is awesome as well. If you if you listen to it with the headphones, as as we say, if you just listen to like you know the different fills that he's doing, all of these little fills here and there, and the kick drum, and oh, it's awesome. And it sort of changes up right at the end with that jazz fusion that he does. It only goes with this ten second guitar solo. Oh yeah, and I think it's awesome. The, the only complaint is that it's too short. Yeah, and that's it. If this went for another minute or two minutes, it would be one of my favourite songs. But it, it's a little bit short that I can't say that. Yeah, it's it's bite size, isn't it? Mm. But maybe he saw it as you know a continuation of Marrying Kind. So you know maybe he thought that the length was just enough. Mm. It's a good point. I mean, when you put the two together, one seems into the other. But if this was initially one song or one jam session, I can see why he would have split them up because they don't. Imagine if this was one track <laughs> with a different title. There's just too many changes in there, even harmonically. So, Captain, what do you think about the second part? If I was a man in your life? Not a lot. It's, it is experimental. It's, it's got all the different tempos and different parts, which is good that he's doing something different because he tends to stick to the same old crap a lot of the time. So it's good that he's doing something different. Yeah, I like it. But yeah, it could be longer. Another minute or two would make it a lot better. But, but we don't always get what we want. Well, we do get track number 10, and again, this is a song that, uh, as with Life of the Party, was it was initially uh, previewed or heard on the um, Aussie tour, which some of us attended. Track number 10 is On the Couch, coming up with another slow jam. And to take this slow jam off of my hands, I go to Mr. Toe Jam. What do you think about this? Yeah, it's um, it's funny. Kind of, it suits the album in the respect that it's an old school kind of slow comedy jam, but it kind of is a little bit disappointing after Man in Your Life, I find. So it's a nice arrangement. It sounds like, like it, you know, it's obviously, a, I think this one's more of a band performance with the horns and everything. I don't really have a lot to say about this. It's, it's funny, I suppose. It's one of, you know, with Prince's funny songs, they're always funny the first couple of times you hear them, and after that, you know, you, you know what's coming, so that they just don't have the same punch anymore, I find. But there's some nice horn swells that I like about it. It's a three-star track for me, three-star track. It's very different. Well, we've heard, you know, Prince doing slow jams like this before, but this one's very, you know, it's interesting the way he mixes this sort of 60s sound with the sort of comedy elements of it. But the vocals are really nice, I should say that. The vocals are really nice. And I'll pass on from there, I think. Captain? I like this song, but it's not as good as other ballads he's done in this sort of style. If if you call it a ballad, this sort of song, it's not as good because... What was the one on 3121? Which satisfied, was satisfied, yeah. It's pretty similar to that, but um, I like it. I, I don't know what to say about this song. <laughs> I've heard a few people 
Hey, he sounds like um, Al Green, but I haven't heard much Al Green, so I don't know. But anyway, have is there anyone else? Yeah, if this is Al Green, it's a very tongue-in-cheek Al Green with a, with a little bit of acid to help. So <laughs> that's my yeah. I can see the comparison, maybe. Yeah. But it's got good vocals. It's got this you know multi-octave descending vocal part in it. That's that's the vocals are really good on it. Yeah, I like it. Toe Jam, do you like it on the couch? I've said my bit. <laughs> what am I talking about? <laughs> Got a bit excited. I'm actually, I think I'm a little bit too excited tonight. (laughs) Jumping the gun on a lot of these opinions. Um, Player, what do you think about On the Couch? On the Couch is Satisfied Part (laughs) 1. It seems like this was the the basis of Satisfied. So, you know, it seems like he's taken this track and then worked on it a little bit more and we got Satisfied out of it. So, you know, it seems like a little bit less polished than Satisfied, but definitely very funny. Performed it on the 2003 tour, got a lot of laughs. And, yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of um, interesting background vocals. The whole, it's a little bit, I don't know if you call it doo-wop or where they're going, ah, oh, ah, that sort of thing. Yeah, and all that. That's that's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, it's a good track, but, you know, it seems like he's, it's like a demo version of Satisfied. You could say the best thing about this track is the end of it. <laughs> right, it, it, it does have a nice end. I'm taking it off everyone's hands right now because I love this track. I love On the Couch. I love it on the couch. Succinct. <laughs> it is succinct and it's um, it's tongue-in-cheek funny. It's brilliantly composed. And again, in lesser hands, and, and I, I'm, I'm surprised that Prince did as well as he did with it. I'm surprised that it turned out as well. Because again, this could have become very easily one of his corniest, cheesiest tracks. And I don't think it... I think he, he gets close to that mark, but he doesn't get there, which is great for me because I, I love the track from a um, compositional point of view. The horns are really subtle to me and they come in and out, but they're also very sweet and soulful sounding. There's not too much. There's just enough horn in this and they are nowhere near overtaking on this on this particular track. It's, it's kind of a slow ballad, but it's not really really a slow ballad because he's you know he's being kicked out and he's going to be sleeping the night on the couch begging for forgiveness back on the knees but from a um compositional and, and i guess instrumental point of view what i really really like is what i believe underpins the mood and the atmosphere on this song which is the sparkling the only way i can describe it the sparkling piano in this I just think it gives it a lot of class. It does recall the 50s uh, you know, and 60s kind of soul, soul reviews with a modern touch. And the vocals are amazing. They are absolutely amazing. I go back to A Million Days and Call My Name. His vocal layering is some of the best that he's ever done in his entire career on this particular, on, those, on the tracks I've just mentioned. And this is one of them. The background vocals are on, on the couch uh, as creative and among the best background vocals he's ever done, without a doubt, to my ear. They're just, just listen to them on repeat on, on a great set of headphones and pay close attention. They're, they're ridiculous. You don't hear a lot of that in modern music and he's, he's a genius for that. So, um, yeah, I, I'm a, obviously you can hear I'm a massive fan of the song. And the other, the only other thing that I forgot to mention was the kind of guitar tone is brilliant. It doesn't sound as, as traditional as, as the tone that he used in Satisfied. I think they're quite different, more, more kind of raw sounding. And I love how he, he plays down the scale. And then he stops on the guitar. I'm not even going to try and, and um, you know, replicate it verbally, but, but it's just a great effect. This is a great track for me. I want to know who, uh, what m- woman stands up to Prince and makes him sleep on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. No one these days. From oh, on yeah, the couch. 
from on the couch, which is uh, quite tongue-in-cheek, we go into social commentary, socio-political arena maybe, with track number 11, Dear Mr. Mayan. Captain, what are your thoughts oh, on this one? Oh, you might want to come back to me. Yeah? <laughs> All right. I haven't got much to say. Bum, bum. <laughs> Mr. Toejam, what are your thoughts? Um, it's one of his better attempts at political commentary, I think. It definitely has that Marvin Gaye kind of, that's kind of subdued but serious sound to it. You know, once again, the bass is nice on this one. I forget if it's Ronda or whether it's Prince. I think it might be Ronda. I think this one's a band performance, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought so. There's some nice soloing by Maceo Parker. It sounds very heartfelt again. It kind of grooves along. It, I don't know if you guys have seen this. They had it, I think it was on the CD single. You could watch the video from the TV live video. Yeah. That was really good. I really from, liked that TV performance. I think it sounded better live, actually, from memory. Yeah, I think it did too. But um, this is one of, as I said, one of his better attempts at political commentary. You know, we have to remember at the time, this is when the Iraq war was happening, and the song is clearly to, you know, George Bush, in my opinion, anyway. Um, and there's some nice lyrics, some very important lyrics in there about, you know, cigarette ads on every block. I think that's a really interesting lyric. Yeah, no, definitely not one of the absolute standouts on the album, but certainly not a bad track. Probably three and a half for me, I think, this song. Okay, going around the mountain to play out. What do you think about this track? I'm pretty much in the same league as um, Toe Jam with this. Um, I've got the same sort of, I've got the reminiscence of the Marvin Gaye and all that in it. It's a nice band effort. It's a great laid back organic feel. It's a nice try at the lyrics, you know, an open letter to George W. But um, I think there's other songs that get the point across more effectively. And the one that comes off the top of my head is, um, I think Pink had a song called Dear Mr. President or something. I think her, I mean, I'm no big Pink fan, but I think her song like was more effective in the lyrics and getting the point across. But nevertheless, this is a great track. Do we, know which one came Do we know which one came first? Because I know the song you're talking about, but I can't remember which one came first. Yeah, did Mr. Men came first. It did? Okay. Yeah. yeah. But the point is, people actually heard the Pink track. No, one, no mm. one's heard this one, because that was yeah. a Sing. Yeah, that's right. This was and everybody sing- plays pink. Was this a single, was it? No, no, pink. No, pink, pink oh, one. sorry, sorry. I'm on another planet. So all the, all the video hits and all the crappy TV music shows played it for all the teenagers and people heard it. No one heard this. Yeah. It is, uh, it's, it's one of the, I agree with that, with, 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 with you guys have said so far, with regards to social commentary. It's probably the best social commentary type track he's done in a long time, if ever. Since Ronnie talked to Russia. <laughs> this is the 2004 version. <laughs> and except it's W. Yeah. And how little has changed, maybe. But, um, <laughs> funky at the same time. But it's a very subdued funk. Uh, again, I think someone might have mentioned that. With regards to the band, it's a good band performance, but I don't second the opinion that Maceo is good. I think he sounds really... He sounds a bit tired, languid. I think that that's part of the song, though. He's meant to sound tired and languid, I think. It suits the, the message of the song. We're tired, y'all, whatever it is. Oh, yeah, yeah you, can't, tired. you can't have a big happy solo in this song. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not looking for a uh, get-on-the-boat type uh, ending. <laughs> On, on Dear Mr. Man, but it just, it makes it a bit more forgettable for me. Maybe I'm kind of itching it too hard, too much, but um, I guess in, in general, I think it's simple but effective. It should be longer. The last thing I'll to say about this is that the guitar solo, if that's what it is, because it could very, very easily be a keyboard uh, modulated yeah. through some effect, if that is a guitar solo, I think that's one of the more creative and inventive um, sounds that he's employed re- of recent times, if, if that's in fact... Maybe he's maybe he's playing the guitar through a piano pedal or something. I don't know. Um, whatever it is, it sounds kind of cool. It's too short, I think. But, uh, yeah, it's a good track. What are your thoughts, Captain? Oh, uh, yeah. I've come around to you. That's about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just a song. Yeah, nothing to say about that one. 
This is the song when it's on. I can just totally ignore it. It's because it is a subdued song. I can just totally miss it and just not even notice that it's on. Because there's nothing that really stands in this song. But nah, next. From well, next exactly <laughs> from one subdued song to another. Reflection, the album closer. You know, he's come back. He's he's become commercial again, or at least in the eyes of the record buying public. And now he's reflecting about it all, talking about all sorts of different things. What do you think about this, Toe Jam? Yeah, it's a, it's a nice little track. It's a nice little track. Um, maybe not the greatest closer, but um, you know, the title says it all. It's reflection. It's you know, looking back, looking back on his life. It's funny though, because the lyrics don't really go anywhere. But having said that, it's kind of quirky in the sense that he, you know what, turn the stereo back down, you know. I think that's really, really nice. It's like... My afro got... is the roundest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not really that keen on that one, but... Because <laughs> my afro is rounder, of course. No. <laughs> no, there's some nice acoustic guitar, the, the nice flute sound. Um, the drums... I don't know, is it just me, or do the drums sound a bit, like, really cheaply recorded? Maybe, yeah, it's not maybe. you. <laughs> yeah, it just sounds like he's recorded them very roughly and, ha- you know, hasn't really gone through to make them sound very nice. But maybe that's part of the point of the song. It's just a nice, simple song. He's hitting the... It almost sounds like he's gently tapping the rims on that, whoever's playing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a rim shot. Yeah. We can't not talk about the, the TV performance with Wendy. Yeah. Sublime um, to me. I don't know. Yeah, that oh, was... That, yeah, that was on the Tava Smiley, wasn't it? Mm. Like that's something that we all knew Prince could do, but he hadn't really done it before on a you know on such a high profile TV event. So that was really nice to see that. So I'll, I'll pass it on now. It's a nice track, Captain. Reflect on reflection. This is a really smooth song. It's it's just nice. He paints this picture of you know the the union of two people. It doesn't sound too corny as it easily could have, but um, it was good to see Wendy and him do this song because that's part of reflection. Looking back at his life and you know she was there but uh, i like this song you could have had a better probably a better closing track but this one's satisfactory i suppose yeah that's okay it finishes on a very reflective note obviously but a very humble kind of kind of note as well to me the only thing I'd, I'd personally have to add to that would be that you know it's it's one of those let's think about days gone by kind of things and he definitely hasn't done a whole lot of that if if any and it sounds to me very revolutionary but not in the literal sense, more so referring to the band, like a revolution 80s type sound, mm. um, acoustic, spacious type sound. It's an odd track. It's very odd. It's it one could of those. Have, it could have been a parade outtake, I think. Yeah, it sounds very parade Sometimes yeah. it snows in April, it's not that different, really, in some parts. It's a really yeah, it's quiet. All, it's a really quiet song and nice and easy. Open e, open E chords. Yeah. Yeah, and and what that does, I guess, is is it gives it a melancholic sound, maybe. Yeah. Uh, definitely mellow. It's a very odd odd track. Um, it's got nice backing vocals too. Yeah, I, I don't know if it fits on this album. I, if it fits much more, I think, on something like The Truth. For example, but it's, yeah. it's it's kind of it's a little bit bold, maybe to finish off, you know, your comeback album with something like like this. Uh, I don't know, player. Yeah, I'm with you guys. It's it's not a bad song, but it shouldn't close the end of the album. Maybe middle of the album or something, but not at the end. I like the song, but it, it sounds like it would fit on his first CD, like the For You CD, and the title of the song, the lyrics, the imagery. You know, he's reflecting on that period. I mean, you get it from, uh, for me, like when I listen to it from the very first line where he says, two sevens together. So, you know, I see it as he's talking about 1977, mm. you know, and 
Oh, I've never even thought about that. Yeah, that's the way I that's see really, it. That's really interesting. Yeah, see two sevens together. So I'm I'm thinking that, and even like the imagery that he puts in the song, like mirrored tiles on the on, above the bed and uh, fishnets on the wall and stuff. It's conjures like seventies decor and stuff. I, I just look at it like he's looking back at his first album, what he made, and just reflecting on that whole period. It just sounds like a for you track. If you whacked on for you and you had reflection on it, it would fit in with that album. Now that you've said that, I can really, I can really hear it yeah, on the For You album. Me too. Yeah, and of course, like Tojem said, I love the TV appearance with Wendy. I think that was really, really cool. And the only thing, I'm, bad thing I've got to say, it's the, the last track. I think the other thing that I was a little bit disappointed about is in the booklet how he's got that TV appearance there, but they've digitally erased Wendy out of the picture. But yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, that Tava Smiley um, appearance, the last page I think in the booklet. It's got him on the guitar there, and it's from that. And she's supposed to be sitting next to him, but she's not there. So I, I don't know if um, they digitally erased it, or I always saw that picture and I thought it was more like a promo shot. And he did, you know, he didn't. He wanted to be seen because there's, there's no mention of Wendy, obviously, on this album. Maybe mm. he's seen on his own, or maybe it's a different, just you know, like a an angle shot. I don't know. But. Yeah, it's definitely taken from there. I was going to um, mention about it at the end of the the whole impression of the CD, but it's the same set, it's the same clothes, same guitar, same everything. They might have taken some promo shots before or after the... Yeah, I agree with with MC. I think, you know, he was trying to highlight more of himself as a solo artist than having Wendy there, but I think it was nice having the two of them together. It was really great to see them. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely cool. And that finishes it up. It sums up this whole album. Sorry, to sum up this whole album, let's take it around to everyone and, and get some final thoughts, you know, what... How listenable is this now? How how often does everyone listen to this? Um, and also, you know, what, what are your thoughts? Have our opinions changed since it came out in 04? Where does it stack up in the Prince canon? All that kind of stuff. Um, maybe we'll start with Captain. It's weird to think that this is, this is five years old now. It doesn't seem that old to me, but it is. It's five years old. I, like I said, I haven't listened to this album probably since 2004. But now that I've been listening to it and really listening to it, I think I probably will play it a bit more, you know, at least once in the next five years. <laughs> more than I have in the last five years. Yeah, it's an improvement. Because there's some good stuff on there. But this seems to be his, this whole album to me, it was Prince's reply to the only challenge that he's got left, and that's to prove the claims of all the critics and everyone who says he's not going to be relevant, commercially relevant again. And I think this was his attempt to try and disprove that. And with the tour, I think he did that. If it was just the album alone, it wouldn't have happened. But the massive tour of musicology raised his profile unbelievably in the States anyway. So if that was his aim to get back to being you know, relevant again, I think he did that. But then on the other hand, it's, this album sounds like there's nothing he's got left to prove apart from that. He doesn't seem to be hungry anymore. And we talked about this a bit earlier and he's got nobody telling him you know that's a crap song don't release that he's got no editing he's got censorship he just puts out anything he wants and there's no one telling him that you know that's rubbish so basically what you're saying is he needs us exactly that's why we're here we're here to save him we're here for higher prince if you're listening Hmm. but yeah that seems to me his main problem now he's got nothing left to prove and he just sounds like he's going over similar things i mean there's a few exceptions manning your life is something different but even though this is an album looking back and bringing back those sort of things it is all stuff he's done before mostly but um, he needs someone to tell him it's rubbish or he's just going to keep doing the same thing he's done for the last whole lot of years 
and doing the one-man band thing as well, that can be a drawback as well. Some songs sound great, but some songs with a live band sound so much better with a live band than just him doing it all, and it loses that sort of spark and the you know some sort of feeling. It's really clinical when he does it all himself, but some songs aren't like that, but some of them are. But, uh, overall, I'll give this album out of ten, which I don't know. I'll just go easy seven and a half, I think. No, no, eight, eight, eight. Shit, that, that's a pretty high score after talking about, <laughs> yeah. you know, how, how potentially how average some of this stuff might... Yeah, there's flashes of the brilliance in there, which would bring it up to eight, I'd say. Since 97, there hasn't been a lot of good albums, and I think this is one of the best ones, probably Rainbow Children, and this, since, like, 90, since Emancipation, I'd say it's one of the best albums since then, up until the point this was released, anyway. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's... Well, wow, I actually said something meaningful for a change. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of, oh, yeah, it's just crap. It's yeah, just I didn't, didn't want to cut you off there. You were really doing well. <laughs> All right, player. What are your overall thoughts? You know, just about listenability and obviously um, overall perception of, of the of the album and a score out of ten. Yeah, um, the way I sort of view this album, it was a hit album for all the wrong reasons. And what I mean by that is, it wasn't popular because of the songs on it. There wasn't like really any single releases or anything like that. The main thing that pushed it was everything behind it, like the Purple Rain 20th anniversary, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the hits tour the multiple TV appearances and interviews, the Grammy Awards. Like, he was everywhere, and he was finally getting the props that he deserved. So I think this album was also popular because it was given away at the concerts, and initially those CDs were counted uh, as part of the SoundScan, and then they yeah. and that prompted them to change Billboard and SoundScan to change the rules so that they weren't getting counted, which is very clever in his book. I think a lot of artists, when he started doing it, I think a lot of artists that said they were going to try the same thing, and then when it wasn't going to get counted, I think they, they changed that. So definitely groundbreaking. Won multiple Grammy Awards, obviously definitely um, well-deserved. The tour was massively successful. And just covering on the um, booklet, the city booklet, and the whole packaging, I think the cover is boring. The whole design looks cheap with those twigs and stuff all over it. It looks, um, you know, photoshopped. It's the roots. It's the roots. Well, the funk, uh, actually, the funk roots. actually, I'm getting to that. I think it's a good concept, the whole booklet and design, but it could have been presented a bit better. The lyric booklet is full of mistakes. It's full of mistakes. It seems like it's just rushed through production. The center picture that's in the middle of the booklet was recycled from the 2002 tour. And my guess is they've done that because um, Rad left. So I think in the CD booklet, they originally had Rad in there. But when she left the band, they had to change it all. Because there are some more recent picks, I think, from... Because this got released in April of 2004. And there was the El Ray pick, which the El Ray launch, which was about February. And the Tavis Smiley TV appearance was also February. And I think um, Ellen was like the first week of March. So I think, you know, after they got rid of Rad, they had to change up the booklet. So they've quickly put it all together. You know, I'm trying to work out if whether the design was a ripoff of the Root City um, phenology. Very that poor would, attempt. Yeah, but it, it, it sort of looks like Prince had looked at that and gone, right, I'll, I'll do something similar, you know, with the, the whole graphics and illustrations and fonts and stuff on the inside of the booklet. Because that came out in November 2002, and so, you know, this is kind of like his next release and kind of seems a bit reminiscent of that. 
The other thing I like is the Cinnamon Girl B-side, the United States Division. I really like that track and I would have liked to have seen that on the CD, but maybe it was recorded after Musicology was released, so I don't know if it was a contender for the CD. But all in all, it was a good album that served its purpose, but would have liked to have seen a little bit more stronger the material to win more people over into fans. That's it. Okay. Square out of ten, player, if you, if you uh, have it. Seven. Okay. All right, so a, so a seven and an eight so far. I might just give my short summary before we go into Toe Jam, only because I haven't got too much to say. Well, from my point of view, this is this is vintage Prince without even a glance at the future. Almost every track on here is derivative of himself, which is not a bad thing because his historically his his output has been magnificent. So I think. I think overall it's a very solid album. I didn't think I'd enjoy listening to it as much as I did upon rediscovering it, so to speak. But a lot of it is familiar ground. There's nothing on this album that he hasn't done before, except for potentially that one song, If I Was The Man In Your Life, which is very different from the vast majority of his releases. And it's quite likable. Cohesive an album it is not, is what I've got. It's more like a sampler, more like a taste. Yeah. Um, it just hasn't been seamlessly mixed together. That the track listing is, and the tracks themselves are kind of all over the place. It sounds like they've been recorded at different times from different eras potentially, which is what makes it kind of a throwback album. Yeah, that's about it. I think it's classy and thoughtful and good and and, and definitely above average, but nothing groundbreaking. However, it did what Rave Unto the Joy Fantastic couldn't manage to do, and and. I'm sure the tour and the promotion and all that kind of stuff had a lot to do with it and, and the you know, MPG Music Club, etc., etc. But I think, um, regardless, it's an important album in Prince's history, if not necessarily just for the music. It's put him back up there, you know? It's not necessarily in the charts or anything like that, but I think he's gained a slightly wider audience with this release. Um, this just reconfirms Prince's pop abilities. It's actually an organic and cool-sounding album at the end of the day. It's not a masterpiece, but it's but it's a good, solid album, and I give it a um, solid 7 out of 10 as well. That's about it. Tojem, what are your final thoughts on musicology? Well, I really agree with a lot of what everyone's saying. Um, I think I said this earlier at the beginning as well. There was a lot of hype coming into this album. You know, Prince kept saying, oh, it's not a comeback, it's not a comeback. But let's be honest, it was a comeback in the sense that this was the first album since since Rave uh, that was really squarely aimed at the commercial listener. And I completely agree. You know, this fulfills what Rave was supposed to be. I think when Rave came out, you know, Prince wasn't ready, the audience wasn't ready, and the music wasn't ready in terms of what he was trying to do. But this was what he was trying to do. He was trying to make a commercial pop album that, you know, your everyday person could listen to and enjoy. Having said that, as a major Prince fan, in some ways it's a little bit disappointing because we had all those years before that with the Rainbow Children uh, and you know the One Night Alone tour, all these interesting things before that. That um, this was kind of like, okay, yeah, this is a nice Prince album, but as you said, it's nothing that you know Prince fans hadn't really heard before. So actually, listening to it again this week, you know, I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected, but I still had you know Life of the Party and Illusion Coma still really bring it down for me. Out of the, you know, I keep changing my mind every week about out of the three. <laughs> I, it's, 
I can't say this is better than thirty-one twenty-one. I'd be I'd be lying if I said that. So it's um, hmm, hmm, I don't know where to go with that. It's a solid album without being completely groundbreaking, as I think we've all said. Really, doesn't he make it difficult to hate an album? It does. It does. He does. He? You want to come in here and um, oh, musicology, yeah, I will slam this one. And then you listen to them again, and you think, hey, there's lots of things that you either didn't pick up on the first time or you just forgot about. That's what I found this week listening to it. But I can't say it's in my top, say, you know, five Prince albums by any means. But, you know, it's a solid album, and it's a very listenable album. You can put this on without having to listen to it seriously, and you'll enjoy it. And that's my roundup. I'd probably give it, oh, I'd have to go a seven as well, really. Mm, solid scores all around. I think eight's maybe too high now. <laughs> <laughs> Would you be prepared to readjust that score, Mr. Well, Captain? I'm, I'm just thinking there's going to be albums a lot better than this, and there's a lot worse than this, so I might have to make it like a... Maybe six and a half is too low. No, I'll say seven. Everyone's seven. <laughs> Just seven. seven. Four, four sevens together is what it yeah. is. Um, it's an important piece of the Prince puzzle. Yeah. That's what this album is. Yeah. I mean, even comparing it to Rave, I guess, overall, I'm more inclined to favor Rave as an artistic project than this, hands down. Yeah. I agree. I agree. But uh, I guess we'll, we'll get to that at some point. Uh, so there we go. Another show, another dollar. Where's can my, I say, where's can I say my one dollar? more thing? <laughs> say as many things as you want. I just want to say out to the listeners out there for their great feedback and to continue to give it to us because it just makes the show better. And you can join us at Facebook. Not only Facebook, but also um, for anyone that hasn't subscribed to the uh, iTunes feed, we're up and running there and um, updated the minute the shows go up. So, um, yeah, definitely check those things out. And... Like Player said, a really big thank you. I've been getting uh, a lot of feedback, both through you know private emails and um, and comments on on the Podbean side, even some comments on the iTunes on the iTunes page. So it's uh, really interesting to hear what everyone else thinks about about you know the Peach and Black podcast and also about Prince albums in general. So thanks a lot for um, for all the feedback. Yay.